Welcome to the Bandwagon Podcast, and today is our debut um, sort of in-studio, uh, well, in-living-room kind of uh, episode. But this episode needed somebody uh, of that kind of magnitude, and this guy is a singer, producer, but most notably a, a lyricist. And so I'll, without further ado, welcome to GS Namibrindia, Gopal Singh Nahal. Rick, how you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. No, it's good. It's good to have you on. Um, we can try this out and see how it goes. And then, uh... Yeah, man. It'll be good. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. Before we carry on, I go, so I was in Tesco the other day and this caught my eye. And I'm, me being a big Manchester United fan and Rick being a big Manchester United fan and he actually lived this era. I actually caught Cantona's last season. That's when I became a fan of Manchester United. But there you go. And my, I say this probably be my favourite podcast already. So thank you very much. There you go. I'm going to pause for it now. I'll put it on Insta a little bit later. But yeah. And the, my actual fashion sense and the greys actually follow him. So and my playing style. Yeah, I could tell. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. Um, but I know this has been a kind of... You don't re- uh, do that many interviews yourself, um, so I'm kind of privileged on this bit. Um, why do you take a more kind of background role, especially when coming to kind of interviews? Background role? How do you mean, bro? Well, I think that there'll be some people in the music industry, especially, who would love to kind of showcase their face, any kind of project that they're trying to do it and really hammer it. You know, kind of bleed it out of the project. Oh, okay. So when I first came out, like, with the debut single, um, I'd done a lot of radio then. And then after that, done a lot of TV. Right after the first two songs, I was sick of it, really. That's what so, it so, so you got sick of media? Well, this, pod, this podcast is going to go well then. <laughs> well, it weren't even that. I was like just forcing you to do it. I literally followed you. But this is different, Hannah. Huh? This is a chat. This ain't formal. Yeah, fair but enough. Yeah, yeah. I think that's important, especially with the misconception of what podcasts are. Yeah. The way that I see it is just a long conversation, really. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people won't know that um, me and you actually got a bit of a history in terms of we we're from the same area in Hansworth. Yeah. Share the same postcode, B21, not B20. Representative. Yeah. Uh, but we also went to the same school. Yeah. Um, and that journey consisted of um, the 11 bus. Uh, you're, 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 you, you, you still live there. What is the significance of Hansworth, especially in your, in your, your music or any kind of work that you do? So um, most people my age are either third generation or even fourth generation um, in this country. But I'm actually second generation. Um, I was born 24 years after marriage. Originally, my mother was told she'd never have a child. Um, We can maybe talk a bit about that later on in the podcast, but focusing on Hansworth. My dad came to this country by himself when he was 14. So not even like an elder teenager, a very young teenager, he was 14. On the ship from Punjab. um, And like literally when he was boarding the ship he was with his extended family a few elders few people around about his age and literally they counted people onto the ship and 
soon as he crossed the mark, like they put their arm down to say, right, that was the last guy. The rest of you stay back. And he goes, I remember that. He goes, that scarred me because his closest cousin was the guy that had to stay back and he was the last one to go on. So it's that movie moment where he turns. The sliding doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like his head turning and the emotional violins come out and all of that. <laughs> but when he got here, um, you know, working in the Smedic area in Hansworth, in the foundries and all of that. So my roots then eventually went back, got married to mom. They came back together. Matate were already here by then. Um, my grandparents were here. But he was the first one and he was like the guinea pig. So he done his bit and brought the family over. And then he's only ever, mostly he's only lived in Hansworth. And this house that we're currently in, I've lived here all, my whole life. So um, yeah, it's, it's home in it. It's like. Mm. But then like, it, it, it often gets kind of a bit of a bad reputation to say that it's. Um, you know, it's violent it's yeah. you know area of deprivation and all these things do you do you still do you uh, agree with that or do you see a different side of it there's violence and um criminal stuff everywhere it's just that they put the magnifying glass on hands with but the value of the area is in the name hands with what are your hands actually worth mm. What are you doing to give back? Make most of the diamonds are from Hansworth, man. When Fifty Cent says, "I'm the diamond in the dirt," <laughs> or Oigalea, that's us, man. That might be the new tagline that I might use, actually, yeah. especially on any of the merchandise. So anyone who's doing merchandise, hook me up, man. Except he goes, "I'm the diamond in the dirt that ain't being crowned, bro. I'm being crowned, man. Nice, you get me." You're thinking the lyrics all the time. <laughs> no, no, no. That's his lyrics. No, it's, <laughs> so like, yeah, Hansworth in itself, the way that it yeah. that it is, is is really proud, unique. Man. Yeah, proud. You know, area full of Punjabis, and yeah, and yeah. as it's as we're moving on now, it, there's a lot of kind of transmigration within there, going into different areas. But we, I touched on the eleven bus. What we used to catch to go into Lordswood, and those were some of the journeys of from Rookery Road. You yeah. know, which I would say is probably the main art artery of uh, UK Pangra. I'm going oh, to say yeah. that, yeah. Agree. Yeah. No one can argue with that. Because I've said it before on podcasts where Sufri used to live and all these, and, and, and Jazzy V, all these. Jazzy, yeah. Sufri, yeah. Deep Bar. So, Shinda. Yeah. Pinda Jat. You don't need to say any more than that. Yeah, yeah. So, that that journey going into school, going going to school, we had to go past kind of three main schools. What kind of an education journey was that for you? So, <laughs> your stop was one stop before. That was Bibinarki, opposite Bibinarki in Hansen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that was like one or two stops before where I got on. I got on Bolton Road. Um, yeah. Going there, it was a struggle because most of the people that went to Lordswood, there was a few from Hansworth, but it was mainly then Winston Green and then the people that actually lived near Lordswood. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'd be the only one from Lordswood waiting at that stop and it would be rest would be George Dixon. Uh, <laughs> but on the way back, because the 11 went past our school before the other schools, then 
it was us with the upper hand kind of thing yeah. going past them. So. Well, you had to go for the, the Winter Green in itself. So forget the schools, but that was a prison. Yeah, so yeah. it depended on who was visited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, I'll tell you, a few people sat on that bus there in that prison yeah. now. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it used to be, um, especially when it was kind of like visiting day, you know what kind of characters were jumping on the, jumping on that yeah, yeah. bus. But it was wars in it. Like yeah. in my time, it was like fatal four-way. It was our school, Lordswood, against GD against Hollyhead, against Hansworth Grammar. And um, the main rival was George Dixon, but they had a mad influx of brothers and sisters from Somalia and East Europe. And I'm telling you, all of them could have it, man. So after that, it got interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, was, it was that in number 11 Boston, you can make Netflix series on that. Yeah, it's, sell. So it's like a 26... 26- mile route it's the biggest bus route um in west midlands that's what it used to be i'm, I'm not sure where it is Might still be. yeah it could be and um i we used to get on used to go upstairs and sit at the sit at the back yeah and then coming back i would just sit downstairs at the back because all the lads used to be there and it was yeah, yeah. but the, fun, the, the, the funniest bit was we used to go <laughs> on the way back the bus drivers used to be absolutely petrified of george dixon and the kids used to be all the teachers used to be with them and they're trying to flag down this bus. And they're halfway in the road trying to flag it down. And the bus driver... Going he's, got, the yeah, he's going to the opposite lane. So I ain't standing there. Got Archie. Got Archie because he, he doesn't want them to come on. But um, yeah, that bus is like... It was a war zone. It was like a matrimonial service. You saw the best love stories. The best drama on there. You can make... Seriously, if they made a Netflix series called The Number 11. It's so mad. It'll, it'll be bigger than Peaky Blinders. The crazy story um, that, I, that I remember being witnessing myself was on the um, Dundee Road. Yeah, yeah. So where the hospital is and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, well, yeah. it's known as City Road now. Um, this guy was running away from the coppers. And we could see this. And I'm sitting downstairs. Now, the old school buses used to have a fire exit at the back. <laughs> and uh, this guy was outrunning the police. And then an old lady wanted to get off at the stop. Yeah. Summerfield stop, I think it was. I'm not sure if it's still there. Yeah, okay. Summerfield yeah. Road, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the driver got the timing absolutely bang on where he opened the door, the lady jumped off. The, there must have been some connection between the guy running away and the driver because he, he looked up and the driver just left the door open just enough. Guy jumps on there. All of a sudden, he's got like a machete in his hand and he's running towards, like there's about three of us at the back. And he goes, he goes, as he's running towards us, you know, absolutely bricking it. And he goes, excuse me, yeah, I just need to go there. <laughs> I'm like, what? Moved to the side, opened the fire door, ran out, ran into the park. That the fire way. door, though, that's where people sit at the back and let their friends on for free. Because they'll just <laughs> come on and they'll just sit there like that. But then on, on our bus, like, the, my first day at Lordswood, like, I was coming... We used to do the entrance on on Lordswood Road. Then you'd have that long walk past the tennis courts going to school. And on the entrance, there's a tall guy standing there on my first day. And I'm like, that doesn't look like a cigarette. It looks like a piece of paper. And that smells a bit weird, man. It doesn't <laughs> smell like a cigarette. And that was my first time smelling weed, man, ganja. But on the bus, like, them, like... Bundy would smoke on the bus, 
cigarettes, weed, and the drivers were scared to tell them. There'd be fights on the bus, and if you're getting battered, the driver ain't gonna save you. Yeah. Because, but then there were some gangsters, same drivers, big beards, bugger. You, and they used to stop the bus, grab mans, and throw them off the bus. And that was a pro- proud moment for us. We'd be like, yeah, Sangani died there. You get me? That, that was sick. <laughs> that was pretty good, man. I used to buy 37. You used to buy 37p then to, to go on from Yeah, from, from 20p, back. you could go from uh, Handsworth to town for 20p. Killing it, man. Back in those days. Hornet, I think that uh, I don't day save a single day savers must be about over five pounds. I ain't got a clue, man. I I day saver was a pound back in the day. Is it four pound? Well, they used to yeah. sell, used to, well, there used to be some drivers used to sell them on. They yeah, used yeah, to sell yeah. you day, <laughs> sell your day saver and grab it back. Yeah, you yeah. know, like obviously, we that when looking back, that has a real impact on your character in terms of like you know, traveling on your own. Like, kids don't do that in this way. Did that have an impact in terms of your future life, in terms of like your resilience or your writing? Because you said that there was a lot of stories yeah, on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, How did like Hansworth and school and yeah, Hansworth like like school, the bus journey, all these kind of things play into your in your writing skills? Of course, I, I wouldn't say directly because I don't think I've made songs about my childhood yeah. yet, yet. Growing up, and maybe I'll do a story album one day. But you just got Banda. But you, you, I won't ever be able to cover even like 0.1% of what I want to write in terms of like Sikhi and everything else. So I don't know where I'd get the time to even write about that. But it's influenced the way I've, I write. It's influenced the thought process. It's it's motivating in some ways. Like sometimes when you've gone through something and you're like, I gave it my all and I was a little bit short of achieving something. And the odds were against me. And I think you feel like maybe the system's done you over. You sometimes get these thoughts, whether they did or didn't. It's mm. like maybe it's a bit of denial. And then it motivates you to be like, when I'm in the studio, I ain't going home until that's at that level. Mm. Otherwise, it's not coming out. Like, I'm not saying I'm 100% perfectionist or um, the best example of that thought process, but sometimes a whole dire. So... Um, yeah, I would say the experience is good and bad. Indirectly, they've pushed the music. They've dictated certain things. But how? How? What? What was a young Gopi like? I call you Gopi. You, you call me Gopi. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I hate that. Uh, you anyone watching this? Yeah. Anyone drops a Gopi, mate. I'm telling you. I want to say that because that's what I got you saying in my phone. But anyway, what was a young? You change yeah, that. I'll change it. I'll change yeah. it. What is it? What was a young Gopi like? Um, innocent mummy's boy wouldn't hurt a fly um, uh, will have to do all my part before I could have a drop of water um, would be hurt to see someone hurt Open-hearted. I, I was a good kid, man. I, I was healthy, but I was good. I wasn't no bad man or bully kids at school. None of that, man. Mm. Some people, they'll come on and they'll act like, you know, there's something tough or that. Nah, man. It's just a normal kid. It's obviously, have been spoiled because my mum was told she'll never have a kid. Mm. So, you get me? 
So they they were going to do that extra bit a lot, beyond maybe compared to other parents, was well looked after, well raised, in a homely family, good family environment, Gordwara environment, Sikh Sangat environment, protected from a lot of bad things. Yeah, man, just I was a good kid, man, and mm. I wish I could be that good again. So what do you think, what were some of the challenges that you were, that you were facing as well? Because it was, in, in, in some ways, that bus journey was, it was a lonely experience. Um, Sometimes you'd be with 10 friends and you'll still be lonely. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've obviously got the Sangat at the Gordola where you, you, you did a lot of your learning. And it could be lonely there as well. You could be sat with 100 people and they're all singing the Girtan. You shouldn't say the Girtan. You'd be singing along to Girtan. To Shabd, Hana, Maradi's Bani. And sometimes only the only thing in the world that will make you forget for me of what you're going through, what you've gone through, is Girtan. Mm. That's why, you know what? M- music, the music industry, is like, you know, people see Girtan as a genre of music. It's not a genre of music. Lok jane e geet hai, e bram vichar. People think this when we sing Barney, we read Barney is a song. It's not a song. It's a way to try and explore who God is, what is our connection, or what is supposed to be with God. Hana, music is fortunate that it's got a place in Guru Granth Sahib Ji Maharaj. Imagine there's millions of rags, hundreds and thousands of rags. Imagine, we can only imagine because we don't know what our Guru's thought process would have been and said, right, that rag will be associated with this Shabd. But that rag, that Shabd will start in this rag. This rag gets a place in Guru Granth Sahib Ji, but this rag doesn't make the cut. How, how do we know what our Guru's thought process was? Mm. These things always boggle me. When we all make songs in Berbi. Everyone loves Berbi. You know, sometimes friends he'll say to me, Giza Sara goes to Berbi, Chibanai Jana, minus scale. He goes to Toraja Sarang Dekla, Darbari Dekla. But Berbi isn't a rag that's in Guru Granth Sabji Maharaji's Bani, but the ragis and daddies use that rag a lot to sing. It's that, those kind of things boggle me a lot. It makes me think if I ever met Maharaj, uh, that's one question I'd ask, like, what was the thought process? What's the reasoning that certain rags were in Guru Granth Sahib Ji Maharaj's money and certain rags didn't make the cut? I, I have very little if uh, knowledge, or if not nothing compared to it. Yeah, scale. But, scale. but in, yeah. in terms of is that in terms of to uh, create an emotion or a, or yeah, a feel yeah. so so we were talking we... about like you know loneliness and all of that but then do you know when the kirtani is a genius and he knows that this composition i've got here he'll know what that shabad to an extent means and he'll know that this shabad is needed to be sung at this moment according to what's happening in the world or in a particular situation and this is how I'm going to sing it and then when that Shabd is sung by a Kirtani who lives by the Shabd because you know commercial Kirtani that everyone look up to they'll be singing Khalsa Mero Rupe Khas 
but then they're shaping their beard like they'll get this hot metal wire and they'll rag or just do this and that's why their beard's shaped but they'll cut their beard they'll shape it a certain way they drink behind closed doors they eat meat behind closed doors but they're seeing Carl Samir or Rupe but you but then you got special Kirtani that may not be as technically as good as those commercial T-series Kirtani but they're living by the Shabbat they live by the word they're singing and when that kind of Kirtani does Kirtan that's the best thing in the world that's when the loneliness doesn't matter that's when you know the Bant is one family for that moment it feels special then your your introduction into music then just tell me a little bit how you got into it because like you know the, i could we can already kind of see i can already kind of feel in terms of like yeah. you know you you've, your musical uh brain is is, is functioning really really quickly and a, and a lot but how did you get into it um so dad grew up in front of daddy omar singh shonky omar singh shonky was my dad's Nana's best friend. Yeah, I think. Yeah, Nana, Nana's, or my dad's mama's best friend. Yeah, one of them, I always get it mixed up. But Amr Singh Shonki was always chilling with at my dad's Nanke, like at their house. And dad spent a lot of time at his Nanke, so he grew up in front of Amr Singh Shonki. And then he was a big fan of Yamalajat. He Yamalajat sang at dad's pre-wedding event, you know, before dad married mom. And um, when he became Amrad Dadi, like a lot of the famous uh, Dadis, like Dayasing Singh Dilbar, when they came to England, they stayed with my parents. Dad looked after them. And even though there was no musicians or singers or writers or anything in our family, dad appreciated good music, good Dadis. When big, big Keithani, Ustad level Kirtani like Dharam Singh Zakmi came to the UK. Dad would go to all the Gurdwari to record him on spools. He'll come home to listen to it. He'd record Daddies. And um, then obviously, when I was born, good Kirtan, when I say good Kirtan, I mean of a musical high standard, but the person singing it was like a Gurmukh, like very good Gursikh. That was being played. Dadivara being played and then the typical thing that everyone says we grew up on Punjabi films that introduced me to you know Manik and Shinda and um, I only knew their famous songs as as a kid I'm not going to say I listened to them inside out I religiously got into them when I was about 17 but in terms of actually learning music and you know getting into the music industry and all of that um, at my local Gurdwara um, Greatest Kirtani of all time. Ain't no man test this, Hana. But not just Kirtani. He was a hira of the Qom. Doesn't matter which Gurukar you were from, which Jathe Bandi you were from, uh, whoever you were associated with, people loved my favorite person of all time. That's Gyan Yamolak Singhji. And a Tabla player that was always associated with them and played with them a lot was um, Uncle Ji Gurmeet Singh Virdi and now a lot of people from uh, the Bhangra industry like people like Tobzi that spent a lot of time with Uncle Ji Jaggi Rihal learnt off Uncle Ji for over 10 years I think and 
they, when they used to play with Girton, they changed the game. The way they played with Girton, especially Gerwa, which is, you know, the fours and the eights kind of rhythmic cycle. Most Punjabi songs, 98% of them, they're in Gerwa. The way they played was totally different to any other Dabla player. And then we used to stand up as kids in the Darbar and watch them, how they were playing. And they, had, they bought so much style, charisma, funk into the way they played Dabla. It was like mud. They'd match the Gitanese energy. And then obviously wanted to learn off them naturally as a kid. But as a kid, you think they're going to teach you the beats straight away and you're going to be a bad man in a couple of weeks. But when you realise the baby steps you have to go through for many years, then eventually at that age, like, I'd rather just play PlayStation. So I learnt off for a while. And then I came back many years later and learnt off this student, Dunwan Singh. But it was around that time I decided to learn Gidan as well. And then after that... Um, so was there was there like a like a set curriculum that you'd have yeah, to kind yeah. of yeah yeah but I, I was I was like with when I was learning off the Nwantankalji because they're my neighbour they live a couple of doors away they were so chilled out and patient we just have fights in double R class we love the powder bottle at each other pull the hammers out and then pull the pen out start playing doll on the double R and everything just do mad shit like that but then with Gidan I never ever saw myself ever singing. And I was at the Gordwara and one of my favourite Uncle G's, they came up to me. Good John Uncle G, they go, have you ever tried doing Gitan? I was like, nah. They go, you should try it, you know, like, it's good. I go, okay. Like, you talk about being a sheep. I walked into the Gitan class on the same day. I go, can I learn Gitan, please? And the Gitan teacher, Amr Bal Singh, one of the most patient people I've met in my life, so skilled, he'd have 12 people singing the shabd. He'd have two vajay turned the other way. He'd play, he'd play the tune on both vajay with the vaja facing the other way. So imagine the keys, are, keys yeah. are facing you and he's playing the tune note for note on both vajay. At the same time, he's watching and listening to everyone sing and he'd be like, okay, you just hit the wrong note. It's supposed to be like this. And then he'd go and help them. And he looked at me and thought, there's no way you're singing. And he'd be like, all right. Going to the other room, a couple of my students are in there. Get them to show you the scales and a bit of sarigam and all of that. But I was a rebel. And you should never do this. You know, anyone learning music or... Is this, is this your alti bit coming out? This is the alti bit. I'd say to my teacher, you know what, this tune you're teaching me sounds... In my head, I'd be like, it's like a nursery rhyme in it. And I'd like, um, then I'd bring a CD player in and I'd play some mad tune, yeah. Like a shop, I go, you teach me this tune. And this guy wasn't a typical ustad, like, get out, who are you to tell me? We're like, okay, we'll do a deal. You do one shabad from my syllabus that I've set up. If you get it right, the next week I'll teach you that tune. So it's one week my choice, one week teacher choice. But no ustad ever does that. It's just that he was so kind. Mm. And he, he didn't ever put the ustad thing on us. But when I started learning off Sultarshan Singh, who's played double on our latest album, City of God, on one of the songs. Best UK-born double R player, period. You can't test him. Like, And then he taught me the first lesson in music is respect. Respecting your teacher, respecting the art, respecting your instrument. And I, 
loyalty, qadr, adab, all of these things. And then I looked back and thought, yo, I was an idiot to those teachers, man. Uh, but I've had the chance to apologise and learn. And I thought, you know, those things that I taught us, you know, those boring vocal exercises, those boring nursery rhyme tunes they were teaching me. That's the difference between an average musician and an excellent musician. Because if you get those right... It's the, it's the same as anything though, isn't anything, it? In terms of like practice anything. makes perfect and, you, and you're building up those those steps to get to yeah. to where you are. But then I learned a bit off an Indian classical teacher. Um, you know, a lot of people in the music industry, they listen to Koshki Chakrabarti. She's probably the leading exponent of uh, Indian classical vocals in the world right now. The most relevant one. Everyone watches her. She packs out concerts wherever she goes in the world. I learned off the, um, her gurpen, as in um, her dad's student, someone who learned alongside her, Sanjee Dabal. I learned off her on and off for a few years. And that was the serious stuff, man. That Indian classical learning. That just blow your, blows your mind away. And then you realise, you know what, should have started when I was three years old. And then maybe I would have got somewhere. Yeah. But then there's a syllabus change. Because if someone goes later on in life, the teacher's job is to write. He wants to do this. But if I'm going to teach him the way I teach a three-year-old, we haven't got that time span. He's come to me here. He wants to launch in two years. So I've got to make him ready quicker. So then the syllabus is different. And I learned that off that teacher. Not that I went with it and yeah. not singer, but that's when my mind started opening a bit more. I mean, you got into great depth in terms of like what that, you know, that, that first part of that journey is. But as a young man at that time, it would have come at a cost of something else. You know what I mean? So you're, like, yeah. you're dedicating a lot of time. But I didn't because I wasn't someone who was practicing for four or five hours every day. I'd go to my lesson and then practice a little bit just to make sure I could play something in beat or I can sing something half correct maybe just to do enough to get onto the next lesson. I, I, I wasn't a good example of a student of music, but the experiences I had sitting with the best musicians in the world, um, certain conversations are witnessed take place, certain like philosophical kind of lessons I learned. Like with Sudarshan Singh, he was like, this isn't just learning an instrument and practicing it. There's history behind this instrument. Do you know who invented this? Do you know what the purpose of this was? Um, do you know this composition is 300 years old? Do you know how this composition is made? Like, then the science behind the music, the philosophy, the history behind it, and then that makes you appreciate the composition or the beats in front of you a bit more. And that's when your mind opens a little bit and when you're making songs you get that knowledge and inspiration and apply it into there but I wouldn't say I was a good example of a music student who listened to everything and practiced hard when I got does home. it nah. does it annoy you in terms of like you know you're, you're talking about it in a very scientific manner does it bother you in terms of how the approach of the current industry is like how they their approach to the, to music I don't think most people in the industry respect music. What and do you mean? They, they don't respect the art. They use it as a tool. They just use it as, uh, like, I was... Well, for fame and money? Um, 
fame and money, yeah, what else, I know, and um, th they just think it's a joke, in it. but uh, don't want to talk about it too long, but I'm going to say a few things now, uh, but it's the truth, the oldest and first religion on earth was Hinduism, and I'll give you one example of an instrument, the first ever drum beat that was made was when Hindu god Lord Shiva killed his enemy and stretched skin over a massive hole in the earth and then played the first ever drum beat ever to be played in the world. And then at one point he created a mardangam that looks like a dolki but it's more classically played, massive. People still play it today. And he created that and he gave it to his son Ganesh to play. The Rudra Veena, which then became the Veena, then it became the Siddhar. People don't know these things. Like, music's... The rags that were composed then, Hana, um, Bervi, the rag that I mentioned before, is actually a name of a Hindu goddess that was a reincarnation of, you know, Sh Shiv's, uh, Shivji's wife, Parvati. But people might laugh at these things, but to me that was like, obviously for us, Guru Nanak Dev Ji is everything. No one's parallel to them, no one's above them. And, you know, we're taught Ram Rahim, Puran, Quran, Anek, Kehemat, Ekanamanyu. Doesn't matter what the spiritual texts of other religions say, we follow our Guru. That's what we follow. But we still, Gurbani speaks about these religions in some form or way because they're still relevant learning. And then our Sikh Gurus obviously had a um, system where they thought, okay, these rags get to be included in Bani. Music gets a place in Guru Granth Sahib Ji's Bani. Guru Granth Sahib Ji Maharaj, who are our living and eternal Guru, who we bow in front of, who we were told, not being the not a request, it's a demand, it's a command of our tenth guru that that not that sorry that this is your guru forever now. Doesn't matter what happens. And then our you know by Mardanaji Puran Brahmgyani Mahapurk we know they were a pure soul because they, even their bani is in Guru Granth Sahib Ji Maharaj. Eventually, it's a very long story. When they had the rabab in their hands, Guru Nanak Dev Ji said, play. Bhai Mardana Ji said, I've never learned. I don't even know what this is. They go, don't worry, play. God will send the blessings. They played the rabab, Guru Nanak Dev Ji sang. The Mool Mantra, the beginning of Guru Granth Sahib Ji Maharaj, the strongest mantra to ever exist. Guru Nanak Dev Ji went into the river for three years to bring that Mool Mantar for us. When they came out, they sang the Mool Mantar. They didn't speak it. Hana, music's a part of us. Our Gurus invented instruments. Um, uh, but even not just the classical way rag type singing like Drupad, these are old school styles of singing, very difficult styles. But then Guru Hargobindji introduced Dadis, the folk side of singing as well. And our gurus always stood against the system. So when Jahangir built his takht, 
and he said this is the highest duct any other emperor or king or leader the duct has catch those springtime vibes all over arizona break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks take a hike among the wildflowers just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees discover arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com/amazing to start your springtime adventure when you visit arizona time is measured in moments not minutes like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate but nothing beats the moment you see the grand canyon for the very first time visit a new state of mind learn more at hereyouareaz.com to be lower than this guru hargobindji turned around and said na we're going to make a duct higher than yours and we're going to call it a gal duct you know the duct of god then he got a throne made of diamonds shaped like a peacock and he sat on top of that and Guru Har Gobind Ji found out. They go, okay. There were some peacocks in their garden. They go, we're going to make an instrument now, shaped like a peacock. It's called a dals. And they go, that peacock that he's got, that throne, he sits on that to oppress. This peacock, our instrument, will sing the praises of the Lord. And people think, yeah, you're not supposed to be deep or spiritual with music. Our gurus were deep and spiritual with music. What are you on about? So. Sometimes I guess it's not people's fault because they don't know these things, and I'll just not even scratch the surface. Like I can, we can do a, a million-hour podcast. Yeah, it sounds like it's something when people series but, in itself. But then when I've told certain people about these gala and they're still using it as a tool, then that's disrespectful, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Hana, if if music puts money on your table, so look, people have people have bills to pay. people need to eat it's the entertainment industry people want to make music they want to make money that's fine if it puts food on your table it's made you loved by millions of people around the world mm. it's paying your bills especially if you could do it as a living knowing that it's come from a very special source it's your duty to give back and put out quality messages in your music Dharma music. Do, do you feel that people don't respect everyone music? Now they see it as a secondary thing. A lot of writers, the best, some of the best writers from Punjab, their quality of lyrics for their commercial stuffs up here. Soon as they're doing Dharma music, in terms of quality, is down here. I'm like, either you don't know how to write a Dharma song. Because your knowledge ain't there, or your love for the dharma ain't there, or you're just doing a quick one as a tick box exercise. But even if you look at the budgets, people, the money, people, and the time, money they put into their commercial songs, and the way they push that, the video, the first look poster, the main poster, paying gold media, twenty uh, bags for promotion, whatever. Do you do all of that for the dharma song? to make sure that gets a push and good message goes out there god's given you a talent he's allowed you to have a life to make music music puts money 
and food on your table. So it's become tokenistic. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah. And music's come from a spiritual source. You're supposed to give back. Mm. It's not a request. You have to do it, and you're not doing it. And then their dharma music doesn't sound ten percent as good as their commercial because they're just doing it. To, you know what? Senga koshodoge, hana. But the sengs are gonna find out now that you know you're doing it as a tick box exercise. Oh, events happening in the Sikh calendar, Vasakhi Onali, Dharma Kagana, Gado, Akisan Morcha, Gado, Guru Nanak Devji's 550 as every man and his dog. There's Bangde that haven't sang a song for 20 years, they came back to sing a song. I'm like, yeah, you're still alive. Wow. Hara? They see Dharma as a second. Shall I tell you a story? I think I told you this before. I was working with a particular producer, and you know what? A lot of people that work with us, part of our team they're not practicing Sikhs but it doesn't matter to me in it and they've gone one of the producers I'm working with he's gone out on a night out you know he's doing his thing he's drinking whatever and he's knocked into this upcoming vocalist from the UK and um, I think they both had a bit to drink and they had a bit of a back and forth in a food place outside the club and uh, like your what's your issue what's your issue all of that and do you know what the singer said to that producer the last thing he said he goes yeah you just carry on doing your dharmak music in it as in and the way i took that you seem like dharmak's a joke or something you think it's secondary to your stupid jot and galassian songs that you guys do the people i write songs about who, who's number one then? Dharmak so how, how did you, how do you... Dharmak's number one. Your Bhangra industry is number two. So how would you use Whether that? you like it or not, it's the truth. We made you guys... But how would you, you use know, that? No, no, no. Kenya, the Bollywood industry hmm. and the main music directors in the Bhangra industry or Punjabi folk music, they were inspired by people who used to sneak to the Golden Temple Harmandar Saab sit outside and listen to our Kirtani, how they made music, how they sang and played instruments. Yeah? Most of, a lot of the people who have learnt in the UK have learnt from Kirtan teachers, then they've gone and applied that knowledge into the Bhangra industry. The reason Punjabis still have music is because of our gurus. Hana? Our people were told only the Mughals are allowed to do music, only we're allowed music in our Darbar. And our Guru said, nah, we're going to use music as well. We're going to sing the praises of the Lord. My people, who are your people as well, they rejuvenated, promoted and maintained this art form. Whether it was folk or classical, people died for their rights, for us, for so we can sit here today. Hana? And then now you guys have had the watered down version in your industry and you use it for fame and money. We don't answer to you. You took from us. We've got the real deal. You lot have got a watered down version. We're number one. I'm not number one because of me. I'm number one because of my guru. But I, whether I'm good or bad, I'm his sick and I'm making music about him and his people. So we don't answer to you, you lot answer to us. We're not secondary, you're secondary. You get me? So did, did you use that, in, I was trying to say, in terms of like the fuel wise, did you, did that yeah, inspire you yeah, to make it, it make you do? Of course it does. 
the next album or the next single. For City of God, it did. So that incident then made you do the second album. Yeah. Yeah. You, I remember when you when you we had the conversation when you did your first one. You said like, I'm and just gonna it, do one. And, 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 and you know what? Done. Only because of Guru, only because of Guru and the Guru Sangat. It doesn't matter how good a product is. It doesn't matter how talented someone is. I ain't, I don't class myself talented. There are plenty of UK born people in their hundreds and thousands more talented than me. Mm. But I'm lucky because the Guru Sangat support me. They put their hands on my head. They stand with me. They stand in front of me. Guru Sahib's tomorrow I might it might flop. They might be like, I'm, I, I, I am who I am because of Guru Sangat. Because the people I answer to the Sangat. I don't answer to the industry. If the Sangat said it's good, it's good. Doesn't matter what the industry says. You get me? So, yeah, that kind of story. And now, like I said, because of the people, the Sangat, because of Guru Sahib, City of God, the album, is doing better than all the commercial albums. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Numbers are in front here. When was the last... You, you're going to answer this now. Okay. When, do you know the hype City of God created before yeah. it was out? When it came out, up until today, what was the last album in the Bhangra industry that created that much hype? Go on. Answer, answer it. What, in terms of outcomes, in terms of getting that position? Not, not, or just that, hype, hype wise? Posi position included, hype included, awareness about it going viral. In the UK, what was the last album that done it on that level? And this is a Dharmak album. People told me, don't do Dharmak. It's not going to work. No one's interested. Mm. Don't use these old singers that are in their 60s and 70s. No one listens to them. Don't record fresh instruments. People are about the beats. Mm. You gotta have a video. We didn't have a video. You gotta pay 20 grand to gold media. We didn't pay a penny to any promotion. Um, you gotta do all of this other shaban. We done everything people told us not to do. And what did God show people? That if the truth's gonna win, it's gonna win in the end. Am I lying? No, no, I, uh, why would... No, I but tell it... me, what was the last no, album I... that... People, you told me this. Yeah. People are asking you, when's that album coming out? Because the way we built it up. Yeah, I think, it, look, looking at it, it was one of the best kind of promo schedule to the point where people were ringing you and saying, it's got to come out now. Come on, when's it coming out? Coming out Because the, the build-up of it was excellent. You know when we dropped the Dwabba block? Yeah. Artwork. It was part of the build-up. They go, we can't find the song on Spotify. I'm like, Giza. I told you that we're going to introduce some of the songs as concepts. But did, it, did you did you take then in terms of like? I'll, so I'll, that's why I'll, people. I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question. Yeah. I think I think you've got to if you're looking at if you're looking at all the main artists, you've got like obviously Siddu, Karanojla, Daljeet, those those AP AP. Oh, no, all, how can we forget him? Yeah, yeah, yeah AP. Yeah, yeah. All the all them guys obviously have got that. They've got the financial backup in order to do what it does. So yeah. to try and compare it to yours, which I know that which was virtually zero promotion in, in that way, just what yeah. you've done on your social media, you've learned... And it's the truth. Yeah, and you've learned the formulas yeah. in terms of how people have done the best marketing yeah. and you've put it together. I don't think it is comparable in that way because then imagine if we had the money yeah but they're not they're, exactly but they're not on imagine the same, if we did all yeah, that imagine not, what would have done it's then. not on the same starting, starting ones but yeah. to say like, you know to kind of outperform them in 
that in, in one aspect is in, in a couple of aspects yeah yeah is, is different and that's why it's unique so yeah. I, I think it's a bit unfair in terms of it's not the, it's not the same kind of uh, race if, if anything is unfair to me because i didn't have their starting point but without that it's done the damage yeah. in it yeah i i think what i took away from it was obviously the album is, is great and, and uh, it's good and from what you the the support that it's got that i can see is great but obviously i don't know at the other time, being fair, I don't see the impact in terms of the messages that they, them guys get. I got kind of first Look, time. But, but, yeah. but. Yeah, yeah. What I, will, what I will say is that there is, from the way that you've done the, the, the social media and the way that it was marketed, you could see it was genuine. Yeah. So the, there was no fake buys, no fake views, all these things, yeah, because yeah, there's yeah. no videos that exist alongside it. And I think, especially in the modern day, People are using those double functions of doing their promo work, and then if it's if it's flopping, well, at least we can buy the videos and the follows, and that that makes it gives the impression that yeah, it looks yeah. good. Whereas if you're coming from your angle, you've got nowhere to hide because if it flops, it flops. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, doesn't matter who I am, what I'm capable of. Doesn't matter who the team is, what they're capable of. It all happened because of God. And God's people, the Sangat, they they made it a success. It's clear. It's clearly obviously you've got uh, your your many many talents and, and passion come through. Yeah. You know what inspired you to start writing though? Because that's a different. That's a different. Writing through stuff. Yeah. Um, I used to write like when we used to go to Punjabi school. We used to be taught to read like different texts, whether that was poetry, stories. And then you'd have to stand up at the end of class and teach be like, okay, you read chapter two today. Um, uh, tell us about the characters in there. Tell us what, what's happening. Tell us about who's the evil character, all of that. But got exposed to Punjabi poetry very quickly and I used to try and write very simple poetry. Then I just went to the Mela one year. and I was The Hansworth Mela? Yeah, yeah, yeah. World famous Hansworth Mela. You know that. And, um, <laughs> I was already writing Punjabi poetry, trivial stuff, nothing too deep. And I heard Dr. Dre beat, um, the Forgot About Dre. And all of a sudden I heard like Gavishri Daddy vocals on top. Is this Immortals? That, that was the birth of the Immortal, the immortal mm. sorry. That was the first album. And I thought, this is sick, man. This is mad. And then next year, again, year after, in the, every year they drop a fresh album. They started that movement, I know. And eventually I thought, you know what? I think I should try and write a song. Because I've done a bit of, you know, learnt a very little bit of Gita and Dabla, Indian classical, and already write Punjabi poetry. Let's try and do something. And then the first song I ever wrote was Bina Siron Singular De Sato Jandani, Eta Mote More Karde Sato Kariya Jandani, track two of our first album. Um, and um, yeah that's how it began so did you have a single first though uh, Shere Punjab was our official single in the setup we've got now so from the point when you started writing was what yeah to when you released I think end of 2009 I began writing and your first release was 2018 18 so nine years then yeah I wasn't writing for nine years it's on and off and like there's probably a chunk of five six years in that that i didn't write so so like knowing from your kind of pure your purest mindset in terms of putting this stuff how did you what was it was there any apprehension of how it would be received 
in terms of like you said it yourself in terms of numbers don't lie yeah okay so the first ever time we released a song we didn't care about charts hmm. uh, it's not the main thing we care about now it's more about putting a good message out enjoying making the song uh, hopefully people enjoy listening to it and um, music naturally uh, generates money obviously especially with us UK lot we're taught that you know maybe I don't think this is taught properly in other countries but we're taught never to make money out of Durham so we're like okay um, all of the earnings need to not even co we don't even cover our costs with the money what we've paid we've paid to make that music for studio for musicians singers um, money that's generated it goes to a charity called Your Seva that operate on a 100% donation policy so they don't take no cut all the money you give goes to this, uh, where it needs to go to and they look look after Shaheed and poverty stricken families in Punjab so it's like that's how it began man like the Shere Punjab song wrote it my mate gave me Bakshi Villa's number like composition we try it here it's about three or four different song compositions like chopped up put together yeah and he goes and then we thought he was going to record it in india send it over but then he came to england anyway and i still remember i was uh, i lost my job and i was working at domino's as a stop-off job so there weren't no gaps in employment and I had a hundred pound in my bank account and my tired need, need, I was delivering the pizza so my tires needed changing um, by law and that was going to cost I think between 120 and 160 and I would have to pay for petrol so I can like diesel sorry to be specific <laughs> and uh, so I could run the car and at the same time like Boxy Buddy said, you know, this is how much the vocal's going to be, but I've only got £100. But then I remember at that point, it was the first ever time at the age of 27, I asked my dad for money. Never asked my dad for money. Um, and I go, look, I'm getting paid next month. They're holding a month's wages in hand. I'll pay you back in it. And he goes, don't worry about it. He goes, because it's for your tyres, just have it. So he gave that petrol. And then... Um, I had a hundred pound to pay Bakshi, but it was a lot more than that. And I remember two of my friends who are still my closest one day, um, when it comes to pushing the songs, they put a hundred pound down each as well. I'll never forget that. Like in my Domino's uniform, picking Bakshi up to take him to the studio. But we went and met him first as well, like a few days before. And I remember passing the envelope over. Like before that, I had my hundred pound, one friend, Put a hundred in, and the other friend put a hundred in, and gave him the envelope, and I still remember that. Like that always like makes me emotional. That point, that I didn't have enough money to pay him, and all though when they cut it, and they go, you dare try and return us that money ever, ever. They go, we're with you, and whether they write or sing or whatever, they don't. They they're not industry bundy. They go, but we're stood here, and it's grown from that point there. To what it is now Kapal you were talking earlier around sort of like your, your first single it's a bit of a jump then to go from like a single to an album yeah what was the thinking around that so I was in Pure Veggie on Soul Road and 
before Shade Up and Job came out, played Body Who Need the Song, they go, you need to think about the next song, you need to think about album. So I thought, I started laughing, go, you're gonna pick that album, man. Like, well, I ain't joking, in it. So that's how the album thing came about. We made Botgo Vincing there. Those songs were written relatively quickly. Vocals got recorded. In terms of production music, you know how we got a dining table here? Mm. Imagine making an album in three days on a dining table, on a laptop, and then there's one headphone jack that's snapped in the laptop, so you can't put headphones in. The Bluetooth thing's messed on the laptop. You can't plug speakers in, it won't connect to speakers. The MIDI keyboard, you can't plug that in because the jack's like broken. Then we were playing pieces. You know your kids might have an iPad, they play on the iPad. There's a little kiddie thing called Garage Band. We loaded the keyboard on there, played the pieces on that. That was out of sync. So you press the key and the sound will come out two seconds later. So if you're playing a combination of keys, a piece, you can't hear it as you're playing it because the sound's coming out delayed one, two seconds later. So we played pieces on that, saved it, emailed it to ourselves, downloaded it from the laptop and put it into the production software. And I just really wanted to get an album out because who's the last lyricist that said, oh, we've done a lyrically led album where the lyricist has written everything, chosen who's going to sing, chosen the compositions, chosen the vibes on each track and the song because this is another thing in the industry people see lyricists as a secondary thing so did, was it like, was thought, it ego ego driving it driving yeah, it yeah I'm an egotistical person mm. I ain't humble mm. only the greatest beings on earth you know Bani says Brahm Gyani hai sabte ucha man apne hai sabte nicha the Puran Brahm Gyani the highest level of saint even though spiritually and in terms of spiritual power, he's the highest. He's the most humble. Only great spiritual people are humble. Do you know what Gurbani teaches humility is? There are no humble people in this world, mate. And I'm, I'm telling you on camera, on, on this set, that I am an egotistical person. Ego drove it. Because people saw lyrics as a secondary thing. Oh, we just need the bars to fit the beat. Oh, the singer is badass, Hana. As long as we got lyrics that will fit this composition, like it doesn't matter what they are. But even if the lyricist, bro, Manik couldn't come out on the level he did until he met Dev Trikeala. Hana, but Trikeala goes, Me bandala badasiga. To sing these Galiya, I found Manik. But but same goes for Manik. He was finding someone who could write like that. They were each other's backbone, they were one soul. Yeah, no one ever heard of Sardul until uh, Swaran Sivia wrote for him and bought him out properly. The lyricist made Sardul Sikandar. Until then, he was Manik and Shindas Vajra player. You get me? And that's Sardul, one of the greatest, if not the greatest Punjabi all-round singer in history. The lyricist made him, man. Surinder Shinda, he was classically trained by Jaswant Bamara, one of the greatest Punjabi music teachers of all time he was singing duets Hana, who went to him and said no sing solo sing kaliya dev trikeala he saw that in him if trikeala didn't say see that we wouldn't have, say that to him we wouldn't have seen jiona more and all of that mm -hmm. he was the lyricist that made him whether people like it or not 
you know if lyricists don't write, what are you going to release? Instrumentals. What a singer's going to do, just mm, uh, uh, mumble on the song like that, you ain't got nothing to sing. If I release, you know, in terms of musical law, you know, the songwriter and composer own the song unless they sign it off. By default, if I've written lyrics, I own half of that song unless I sign the song off. Hmm. You know, that's, that's the proper music law, what the mainstream, you know, the gore. That's how they've set it. That's what reality is. So are we? So the industry here is way, way behind them. Now they're picking up. Now they realise because we're in an industry now where the, new gen is where the main, <laughs> where the main singers, the most famous ones, they, they, they're not good singers. Technically, why are they selling? The lyrics are catchy. People are understanding the lyrics because of Punjabi's watered down the new Punjab lingo how those kind of guys speak Punjabi there, that's being used. And now a definition of a good writer is someone who can write what people want to hear, but not necessarily who's a great poet or a great songwriter or composer. So if someone so, can rhyme so with now iPhone with anything. Now, now the industry is becoming lyricist-led again. Cause is that because there's a lack of lyricists out there? No, nah, there's plenty of lyricists. Plenty of lyricists. I'll get your lyricist write your song for ten pound. Get your lyricist they write your song for ten thousand pound. How how long's a piece of string? Plenty of lyricists, but you become lyricist led now because the biggest songs coming out, the music ain't all that. The vocals ain't all that. Why is it selling? Either it's the visual, or it's got to be the lyrics. The lyrics people now they like lyrics, but the people putting up on their Insta stories lyricists, uh, lyricists hit us up songwriters hit us up before songwriters used to be running to people to say oh can you take my song hmm. i used to be stood at melee at the back of the stage with papers in my hands there'd be events on soho road i'd know certain singers coming i'd wait until they come off stage at the Mela or a show on soho road just to have 10 seconds with them to say i've tried to write this can you quickly have a look can i have your number or who can i speak to standing in the cold in the rain just waiting for them and being embarrassed loads of times but now i've got to work with singers that are technically technically million times better than those one that dissed me why is that god's blessings god's watching god's timing's never wrong that's what frenzy said when he finally his debut single keep moving came out with just done me and myself that's what he said he goes god's timing's never wrong i'll never forget that the patience that Frenzy had to wait that long to get song out in terms of production. We all know what that song did and is still doing till today. It, it went number one. Number one, official, official charts. One. You can't beat someone who's number one in it. <laughs> well, I don't know how you want to <laughs> not, not, not these little charts, these, uh, you know, these radio charts or these uh, Asian TV channel charts. No, 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 no. That's opinion based. You make those up. We know you make those up. These, this is a gore. We're in a gore country. This is a gore saying you're number one. And then Dharmic music is number one. What was you the re- what was the re- response to uh, Potgobind? Potgobind Singh there. That went straight to number two. It became the highest positioned Punjabi album in UK history in the mainstream charts, and it was made in three days. So if you waited on a dining week, table, if you waited another week, you could have got number one. 
Sorry? If you if you actually waited another week, took the jack out, you might have been number one. What was it? Who was it the chart who beat you? Uh, Lewis Capaldi. You can't compete with him. He's like the next Ed Sheeran. This time around, City of God, I saw the numbers the other day, actually yesterday. They actually sold three times more than Botgobin Singh, our latest album. But, but that was still number two. It went number one because it depends on who you're competing with on the day. Ed Sheeran and Adele didn't leave the charts since October. Yeah, you They were number one, number two, number one, number two. Then Meatloaf passed away. I don't even know who Meatloaf is. He, what do you mean? No, no, but listen, then, <laughs> then he occupied the first 10 positions. The day we were coming out, Jamie Webster's coming out on the same day. And I never used to think about charts until Shere Punjab, like it came out. And all of a sudden, there's an announcement on social media. This is the first ever Dharmak song to go main, mainstream. And then after that, it just messes with your head, man. Because you're like, okay, if that done that, the next one has to beat it. If we've done this, the next one has to beat it. And it shouldn't be like that. So, did, the, so is this your, the ego bit coming out where you were yeah, trying yeah. to... Yeah, and then City of God, it went number two again. And it just didn't go number one. But, you know the guys that are spending over £100,000 on promotion? They're doing all these gimmicks, music videos. And you are the most popular artist in the world. You lot should be number three, two, and one. But most of you aren't, innit? You get me? I'm not doing anything. You're going, I'm doing stuff that you're telling me won't work. But the Sangat, you're telling me Dharmak music ain't going to work. But the people are saying that we want this. That's why I've been number two twice now. Did you, did you get any... That's the highest position. Three albums have held that position. Two of them are Dharmak albums by our team. So did you, did you... Um... So you know what, congratulations, sorry to cut you out. Yeah, again. no, it's fine. Congratulations in advance to whoever goes number one. It's going to be one of these mainstream art, uh, Punjabi artists who probably, you know, who everyone knows and everyone aspires to. It will, it will be them, but you're supposed to be number one, aren't you? Because you're, you're the best. Mm. I'm not the best. I ain't talented. Did you get anybody reaching out from, um, from a non, non-Asian background? about the album yeah they go we're loving the beats we look so credit to the producers and music. no i mean like from a radio station national radio stations or it was just like they, they'll be in trouble if they talk about it if they mention how viral city of god went in terms of hype how it performed and then it wasn't that the art uh, the album was there for five minutes and they took a screenshot it then went into the official charts and you got to stay there for like over a week to be like, you know, top 10, and then it's top 10 in there. They'll be like, I can't argue with that. Guru Sangat. And you know what? The guys that are relevant now in the industry, the guys at the top, I'm talking about singers, whether that's UK or there, do you know when they're performing at weddings or in the clubs, the people dancing in their 20s or 30s or the 19, 8 year old like college kids? Those are the only people that listen to their music. When we release a song, you get toddlers, teenagers in their 20s and 30s, all the way up to elderly men and women in their 80s and 90s. When I walk down Soho Road and a baby's walking with a stick and she stops and she goes, what the album Sunisima Teddy? And her hands got on top of my head. The mainstream ain't got that. Gionkuru Sangat, the mainstream ain't got that. You know, someone like me who 
at times feel that I'm not worth much or I'm not talented or like that, you know, that lonely, worthless type of feeling. The Guru Sangat make me feel that I'm worth something. They make an ant feel like a king. So what do you, what, do you feel pressure now to do something else in the future? We got a single this year. Focusing on that, that's special. That song is for me. After that, now man, because you've got to remember this album was made, produced and written by people who got nine to fives. They only do music as a hobby or as a side hustle when they get time. We're not part of this industry, man. We're having fun. We're like, imagine someone who plays football once a week, five aside at Power League or goals, and he could compete with Premiership players. That's what we're doing. If you want to look at it in hindsight, that's what we're doing. And what, and what lessons did you learn from this experience? Because like the first lesson, from your first album, yeah. of all the singers, you've learned, I'm guessing, well, you, hopefully you learned different lessons in doing that. Have you learned anything from this one? Because Yeah. Don't listen to anyone. Only listen to what in your team. Don't listen to artists that are not involved in the project. Only listen to artists involved in the project. Always put Guru Sangat number one. Listen to them because the blessing they're going to give, no other person in the world can give. That's the biggest. And doesn't matter what anyone's making, what they're releasing, how they're releasing it, you make what you want to make, how you want to make it, and how you want to release it. And I already knew that, but that realisation got even bigger with City of God. But um, the second biggest thing I'd say is the power of collaboration. You know, if you YouTube making of uh, the Black Album by Jay-Z or making of uh, 2001 by Dr. Dre, they'll show you clips of people in the studio. There's 25 people in the studio. Jay-Z sat in the middle, Dr. Dre sat in the middle. All of those 25 people have a purpose. Jay-Z knows I can probably play or do this on my song myself, but I might as well call him in because I want the best result. And then they're not scared to show the world that 25 people made this one song. Even though it's Jay-Z's song, he's fronted it. They're not scared to tell. You know, up and even there in this industry, because it's their song, it'll just be them. So don't be scared to collaborate and put the best people in the best positions for you to get the best possible product and don't be scared to admit it because the guys that are absolutely top of the game in the world of music, the Jay-Z's, the Beyonce's, uh, the Dr. Dre's, they're not scared to admit they're collaborated. They're not scared to admit who their team is. They're not Dr. Dre, he st would still Dre, People remember the keys. He didn't play that. Scott Storch played that. And he comes out and he says it. He didn't write the lyrics. Jay-Z wrote the lyrics. He comes out and says that. People still say it's Dr. Dre's song. And, he, and he's just admitted the main element of the music, the chords, the keys, and the lyrics are nothing to do with... He didn't do that. He probably directed them, probably inspired and said the right things at the right time to get that result. That's what I was trying to do with this album. And hopefully the documentary and my Insta shown everyone who's involved and who played a big part in making what. And if we do it again, it's going to be even bigger collaboration. Just going to bring this to a close at this point, mate. Um, yeah, yeah. Is there anything, you know, this is the Bandwagon podcast and I, I give this opportunity to all the guests. Is there, if there's a bandwagon that they want to jump on or jump off or is there anything that they just want to get off their chest? 
I just want to say one thing and I didn't plan on saying this while I've been in this industry of intentionally and unintentionally upset a lot of people I've made loads of mistakes I've said wrong things and done wrong things and I just hope I have the opportunity to meet all of those people in person and admit my mistake pray I don't make that mistake again and hopefully those people can forgive me and put my hands up and people who have done me wrong use me as a stepping stone or whatever hopefully I have the power to forgive them that's all I want to say I hopefully I have the power to ask for forgiveness and forgive because if I can do that I'll, I'll be 99% where I need to be in life I think Thank you, Gopal. It's been um, it's been an experience. Um, really enjoyed the passion and and gone through there. And then obviously this is a whole new thing as well. So um, I'm sure we're definitely going to get you back on it at, at some point. Thanks, mate. Thank you, bro. Respect. All the best. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.